Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies, uh, and in this way we attempt to catch up on our respective cinemas. Uh, So this month, the month of January, uh, is a special event here at Catching Up on Cinema, a little something we're calling Fucked Up Shit Month, uh, with the objective, of course, being to explore the world of fucked up and or weird cinema. Um, Last week, Kyle got the pick. Um, He selected Green Room, um, which I think he and I both agree is not a fucked up movie in the traditional sense, although it does the subject matters... It touches on some nerves, especially if you're sensitive to certain things, and it's a very violent film. Very. Um, but, but this week, uh, I got to pick something, uh, and I went with a small film by the name of Like Me from 2017-2018, uh, uh, both written and directed by a fellow by the name of Robert Mockler, who has done exactly nothing else. <laughs> Absolutely uh, nothing else. Yeah, uh, you can scour the internets and find... Virtually nothing about this gentleman. <laughs> he's an enigma. I, I don't think he's real. <laughs> yeah, he's he's wrapped in a in a riddle and a mystery. He's an enigma. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I found out about this movie via a trailer via like some uh, indie movie review website, probably Twitch Film slash Film Anarchy. Uh, that's what it's called these days. Uh, I just saw the trailer when it was doing like the film festival circuits, uh, and the trailer is very well cut together um they they made liberal use of the the trippier bits of this movie um because there are some strong visual components to this film but it's very scattershot um there's a lot of in-between bits that are kind of clumsy not exactly the best written nor best acted uh truthfully right out the gate i'm just gonna say this is not the best movie (laughs) um but Again, this was something that I saw a trailer for two, three years ago, and some of the images stuck with me, and I just wanted to see what it was all about. Uh, so, Kyle, what did you think of Like Me? Uh, this was really difficult to get through. Uh, this is pretty bad. Um, and, and it's, I guess, not for a lack of effort. It's just there wasn't really a... a there was no real message to take from it for me. Like, you can... I, I want to call this... Um, call this fart house i think that's the best way to uh to describe it because it it it's kind of wanting to be art house but it doesn't really have a message and even in art house films that i've seen that i'm like i don't quite understand that i can still get something out of it this was like you mentioned before like is it taking itself seriously is it not taking itself seriously i'm gonna argue that it is taking itself seriously in a few points especially with some of the dialogue um I think that there's some there's some neat shots in here. Uh, there are some cool shots, um, and that's about all I can really take from it because I, the message that I kind of got out of it was a commentary on social media culture and I guess differences between the generations a little bit because there's a there's a few back and forths between her and um, Marshall, Kaya and Marshall that I'm like, okay, you're trying to say something here, but I'm missing it. I don't really. Either I didn't miss it and it was just like it was just shallow, or this is way over my head and I'm just not getting it. Uh, fart house. Uh, fart house. I, I love that. I, uh, we need to we house. need to make that a thing because that is a very useful term. That is great shorthand because there are 
there are many films that can be, well not just films just art in general that can be used to it can be associated with that term. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> just because you don't understand it does not mean it's that does, does not mean it's good. It does not mean it's over your head. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And, no, and it's I, very true. <laughs> and and I mentioned this is kind of like I, I mentioned like it's performance art almost, and it, it's like performance art with nothing to say really. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I got out of it. Yeah, no, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, by the by the time you get to the end credits of this film. Um, you walk away from it feeling like parts of it made you feel things, but then it doesn't add up to a cohesive whole. It doesn't seem to have any sort of real message. Um, it touches on some themes here and there, but it never pulls the trigger on them hard enough to make to like reinforce a statement of any sort. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's some images and some incidents in the film that like get your head spinning in certain directions where it's like, huh, I think they're trying to say something here, and then they kind of swerve away from it. And you just kind of walk away from the film feeling a little empty, not not really certain of what it all meant. But I wouldn't be surprised if some of the bigger set pieces in this movie were adapted from performance art or installation art of some sort. There's one in particular that comes to mind from the hero. Oh, absolutely. There's some sets in this movie that mm-hmm. I, I, I was telling you just before we recorded that it's like, you know, I think I've been on that stage. Like, I've been on that set. Like, I've, I've gone to plenty of arts walks. I, I went to a liberal arts school. I've, I've seen my fair share of performance art and installation art. And uh, there, are, there are some big scenes in this movie that's like, I feel like they just maybe even took some of the props from the from the director's like previous work or something and just like yeah. set it down in the middle of the room and they're like, okay, we're gonna use this. What does it mean? It's like, oh, I know what it means, but I, if the audience, it's up to them if they figure it out or not. <laughs> well, and and the other thing with uh, art house doesn't have to be making a statement and it doesn't have to be showing you anything. It can just explore an idea and it can give you nothing. Like it'll just we're gonna here's what I think about this. I'm going to put it on film and then you decide what it is. You decide how you feel. And I mean, that's, that's good. That, that totally works. I think that, um, high life with a uh, Robert Pattinson, a 24 film, uh, it's on prime right now. They make the best uh, films. They make the best films. Yes. But, uh, watching that, I'm like, I didn't really know what to take from it, but it, you, you feel something while watching it. And I think that, I think that says something like it, it engages you and it, it kind of, weirds you out at times, and you're like, what? I'm trying to make sense of this, and you probably won't make sense of it. But here, I don't get any of that. I don't really, I wasn't really engaged too much. Um, I just kind of felt lost and like, okay, so what? what is the point of this now? Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, the, the way the script is structured, um, it's almost like, it's almost like the director had like an aversion to spelling things out too clearly. Um, because mm. there's not a single character in this film. There's very few characters in this film to begin with, but there's not a single character in this film that uh, we really get an intimate view of. Um, and the few instances in which we we start to do that, we start to you know peel back some layers on them. We actually uh, more often than not cut away from it. Um, and in some ways, I feel like that might have a lot to do with maybe what the film is trying to communicate. Um, cause it, there's a lot, there's a lot of thematic imagery going on in this film, uh, that I did notice and I did appreciate, um, it doesn't really add up to anything terribly substantive. Um, but in terms of like constructing, like just an art piece, something like lights with sound, uh, there's some parts of it that's like, huh, I see what you're doing there. And I, I appreciate that. 
Uh, I didn't really personally get anything from it, but I appreciate the attention to detail. Uh, because, uh, like you said, like I think we, <laughs> I think we both agree this is not a good film in almost any sense of the word. But uh, I, I do have to commend it for some of its set design and some of its mm-hmm. some of its visual flourishes. And and another thing, like you can have a frustrating movie. I think Darren Aronofsky has perfected the frustrating movie. Um, <laughs> get through Mother and not need a cigarette after that movie. Uh, but there, it's compelling though. That's the thing. It's like this is frustrating, but I don't want to. I don't want to step away. This is frustrating in that it's not frustrating. Like this is not. I don't think this is doing what you, th- what you're trying to accomplish. I mm. feel like this is this is supposed to frustrate you a little bit. Um, did you ever see the movie Hard Candy? No, I haven't. Um, it's uh, Ellen Page and our favorite Patrick Wilson. Um, oh, he's the best. I like yeah, Patrick not, Wilson. Not in that movie. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there was a sequence in here that I, f- I felt like it was going to go kind of in that direction, where we have a, a in Hard Candy, we have a 14-year-old girl who's um, more or less torturing or in control of a grown man throughout the film. Uh, and it's done really well. And Ellen Page, like you're on her side, but at the same time, she gets kind of under your skin a little bit. It, it, it's 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 strange. It's a, it's a really good movie. It's it's interesting. Um, and I thought th- that might be the way it was going to go at a certain point, but it really doesn't. Um, and I I found that frustrating. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what are you doing? But anyway, well, do you, you want to? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say I don't want to completely front load this episode, but I do want to say up front that. Um, there's there's one thing that was nagging at me the whole time I was watching this movie, and that's um, the age that we live in. Uh, so this movie came out in 2017 slash 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, presumably was in production maybe a year before that. Um, I couldn't help but feel like an in, like a weird melancholy while watching it because the day and age that we live in, things move so fast. Yeah. That that. Already, a movie that came out in 2017-2018 feels antiquated. It does. In the, w- in the way it's representing social media and internet culture. Like, you have no idea, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, like, honestly, it's like, it's, like, it's like putting out a movie that has a lot to say about the internet and social media before Instagram became a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, instantly, that movie becomes antiquated and utterly irrelevant to anyone interested in learning about the times they live in. Yeah. Um, I had that happen with a book uh, called Generation Me. That I bought it and I had it on my shelf for two or three years, and by the time I finally got around to cracking it open, uh, like Twitter, Instagram, all of that happened um, between the release of that book and me opening it. And with before I even got through the foreword, I was like, "This is irrelevant. Like this book has nothing to tell me. <laughs> like this entire book is moot." Like it has nothing to tell me anymore. That's how I feel about uh, super sad, super sad, sick <laughs> true love story. Did you ever read that? I read it no. in college. What, what is that? It's it's kind of like an uh, like a utopian um, phones. Like all oh, these little phone devices now control everything we can do. We pass by people. We know all their information. Um, it it's like pretty much the next step what's going to happen with technology like people just you can literally have your phone walk by somebody and know what their profile is what like it, it would be like walking by and you just see somebody's instagram page like so immediately it would like be you, living in china yeah <laughs> yeah you could just walk by and it just like goes on your phone or you can see i think somebody figured out like tinder and grinder it, it was in the, it was in a book or a movie it's like oh here's people near you that want to do the same things as you and i'm like yeah it, we have that now um 
but yeah, this it does feel dated, and it. I think this dude saw a Miley Cyrus video because there's a lot of close-ups. I tried to see if he directed a Miley Cyrus video. Um, yeah. there, there's one in that, particular that I'm thinking of. Yeah, make sure to point it out because um, I have very little familiarity with Miley Cyrus except for this one song that my friend used to play all the time. Um, uh, is it Wrecking Ball? No, it wasn't that Wrecking Ball. Awesome. Um, it was. It was. I don't know. It had like an aggressive tone to it. It was kind of fun. Like the the chorus would pick up and it's like, whoa, that's an angry girl. <laughs> but, but yeah this movie felt very weird in that like it has it seems to all the themes seem to be talking about uh like the emotional disconnect that comes with viewing the world through a lens or or via a reflection or basically viewing the world through a filter mm-hmm. um, because most of the bad things that happen this in this movie have some sort of barrier between the person doing the bad thing and and the actual bad thing um but again, it it just it just feels like oh wow, this is a little a couple years too early to the party or a couple years too late. Um, but yeah, we should probably get to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, also, uh, I took it upon myself to pull up the IMDb page for this movie. I don't normally do that, um, just because I think like you, I just wanted to see what else has this guy done. Like, yeah. like does he have a body of work that I can take a look at? Uh, apparently he does not uh, i would assume he's like an underground artist or something he probably went back to doing art installations and performance art or something but um i was more interested in like the the technical people like the cinematographer and the editor because both of them i think probably deserve more praise than him to be honest um and same story neither of them pop up anywhere else as well so i have to assume maybe they went to film school together or something uh but yeah, it seems like uh, aside from the actors, um, most of the, the people behind the scenes of this film didn't really go on to do much else. Um, presumably um, went back to the art world. Yeah. The the main character... Uh, Addison Mar- Timlin? Yeah, she's married to Lip from Shameless. Uh, it's the only thing he's been in, uh, pretty much, is he's the oldest, oldest brother from Shameless, which is a good show. But hmm. I was like, oh, she's married to him, and they have a kid together, so that was cool I, suppose. Yeah, I i will give i will give most of the actors in this movie some credit except for the burt kid uh, he's terrible oh my god he is awful he took um, me out of it as soon as he came on like at first i was like the opening scene i didn't care for but i'm like okay if it goes in this direction i'm gonna be okay with it i i can see where this just progresses it's a progression of her getting more and more violent which would have been kind of interesting then the hotel room scene which i think is pretty cool i like the i like the editing through here it's I really did trippy too. But it becomes a crutch as we move along. Um, and then Bert, they, we get the reactions from the internet, and then Bert shows up. I'm like, done. Okay, this is bad. Uh, Bert is, like, I think, inarguably the worst part of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. his, he reminds me of that kid from uh, American Beauty that was in Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of him. Something about his delivery. Just it, it, it rubs you the wrong way, and it feels disingenuous in some way. Um, and every every word that he's saying feels like it, it's coming either directly from the director's brain or is just trying too hard. Yeah, um, it's and definitely it's, it's utterly hard. obnoxious. And it, the whole it movie is trying up. too hard. Yeah, honestly, it is. Um, and I and I and I like the like the psychedelic edit like um, the, the psychedelic feel to it sometimes. Um, 
but I don't think it's done very well. Arguably, I think Mandy does it beautifully. I think Mandy rules because of uh, how the director incorporates uh, like the psychedelic feel, especially when they have Mandy uh, hostage and she's talking to Bruce Wayne's dad <laughs> and he's in his robe. Like that was a fun, that was a cool scene. Here, like there's a few a few sequences that are cool and then it gets kind of silly. Um, yeah, um, I mean, it needs to be said, this is probably extraordinarily low budget, um, but I, I, you know, I, I wish this movie was trippier, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I, w- I wish people stopped talking and it just, it was just one big trip or something, because I, be I think it would have been a lot more successful if that was the case. Yeah. Uh, because, like I said, from a visual standpoint, there are some kind of cool things in this. Like there, enough to enough to cut together a trailer. So there are there are at least two minutes of good images in this movie. <laughs> there, um, alternative comedy, um, I think, is very prevalent. On like an adult on Adult Swim, like Aqua Teen, Hunger Force, Tim and Eric. Tim and show. Eric. Yeah. Um, and what is that other one? Uh, Eric Andre. Um, what is that? I can't think of old Greg. I can't think of their name. Um, the Mighty Boosh. Uh, it's kind of a, a lane of comedy that you have to be inebriated somehow. Like you, you need to be intoxicated uh, to the point where it's there's something that you can you can get out of it. And I feel like this is kind of one of those as well. See, it feels I, like <laughs> I can attest to that because I have friends who watch each and every one of those programs, and I occasionally come over when those are on, and everyone else in the room is you know altered in some way except for me <laughs> and i'm just I've like what the fuck am i watching <laughs> never understood aqua teen hunger force i do not eric andre i get eric andre i i can get into eric andre he's fun <laughs> uh but yeah i do not get aqua teen hunger force it just whew, right over my head tim and eric have their moments i've yeah, seen tim, some funny tim and eric stuff yeah I, I think tim and eric tickled me a little bit aqua teen hunger force i think just the voices i appreciated I didn't really get anything from what they were saying, but the voice acting, I was just like, you know, they have funny sounding voices. <laughs> like that, that's enough, I guess. But yeah, I guess anyway, we should, we should jump into this. <laughs> we should get into it. So again, this was written and directed by Robert Mockler, uh, starring Addison Timlin, uh, Ian Nelson, and Larry Fessenden. Uh, so right off the bat, we get production logos. Um, production logos that i presume are never to be seen again um mm-hmm. although i will give them credit that glass ipex logo is pretty fucking cool um it's it's like the neon tubing one I, neon is a big thing in the in the visual in the visuals of this film mm-hmm. uh, used used to good effect um i mean we're we're in the age of neon uh, yeah. it's it's a thing if you want to make any movie especially a cheap movie look expensive just put some colored lighting in there I know <laughs> you haven't a bit. I know you haven't seen it but I think this director took a lot of inspiration from Spring Breakers um put Yeah, I wouldn't that. be surprised. Um Yeah, definitely. It has a trashy vibe to it that mm. it's it's definitely like I mean also the fact that the main character is jumping from motel to motel. So they're definitely looking at the view looking at the world from a, a specific like tax bracket viewpoint i guess yeah, right. <laughs> um, well and they kind yeah. of they kind of uh find themselves indulging in crime uh in florida and i can't stand that movie sorry <laughs> uh, you know I've, um, I've heard it's not that bad um i it's i don't have much interest in it but you know i i would watch it harmony corinne he's kind of like a cult He's got like a cult following. I don't understand him. I don't understand his films. I don't understand the hype. Uh, Spring Breakers is like his big one. Like that's, I mean, kids. He, I believe he wrote kids. He didn't direct it. But uh, yeah, I think Spring Breakers is like his 
his big uh, one. Gummo is the one that I know best by reputation. My brother made us watch like 10 minutes of it because he wanted to piss off my parents. <laughs> um, and I, I want to say that you're right. I think this director maybe has an affinity for Harmony Korean because there are some shots that what little I have seen of Gummo like there there are a couple of shots and and locations in this film that I'm like yeah that's Gummo like, Moonlight just... Moonlight comes up there's when she's sitting on the beach I'm like that's the scene from Moonlight the two kids uh, sitting Mo- out on the on the beach Didn't Moonlight come out a little later though Uh 2015 2018 yes I'm just saying it was the same filming lo- it just looked like it was the same filming location I don't think gotcha. he got it from Moonlight it was just uh it looked like the same spot Gotcha So our first shot um I actually really liked it's a something called the barn. It's like a drive-through mini mart, basically. I've never heard of that. No, I mean it's it. It's like a Seven Eleven or something or a, or a M P M, and she pulls up, and the first shot is just it looks like a a barn silo or something, and it's it's a situation where it looks like like our local Burger Master, <laughs> where there's a couple of, like overhangs, and you can pull up to either side of it, and the, there's an attendant in this little building in between it. Um, but yeah, there's like a starry sky and there's like a pink glow on the edges of like on the edges of everything in the frame. And it's, it's a well-composed shot and it slowly pushes in. And then this beat up car pulls up and there's a hooded figure in there. Um, and then we cut to an inside the car shot and there's a, the hooded figure, um, just says in a like very female voice, (laughs) I want some milk. Um, and I noticed here, like, this is this is where the music started to, like, right off the bat, kind of started to bug me a little bit. Um, because a lot of it's decently well composed, but it sounds cheap. Like, it mm. sounds like, I mean, you know, an orchestra is a hard thing to <laughs> acquire, like, especially if you don't have much money to work with. But this is, you know, heavily synthesized-based, and it feels, like, slightly Elfman-esque. Like, it's kind of bouncy and whimsical. But the instrumentation just sounds really cheap. Like it just does. It doesn't stand up to the quality of the visuals we're getting. So right off the bat, it's like ah, I've seen many a direct-to-video movie. <laughs> like as as artsy as this film is attempting to be, um, clearly they didn't have much money to work with. Um, but yeah, uh, we hop from the car and into a handheld tracking shot. Uh, pretty much as soon as this person asks for milk, and we track the person from the car. Uh, marching into the building and uh <laughs> did you note the uh the construction of the paper craft mask that they're wearing it looks like a 3d print it does um it's it's kind of a thing uh, i don't know geometric shapes are kind of a thing in in certain like art circles like uh nicholas winding refn that uh uh what the the l fanning movie i can't remember what's called but um he makes a lot of use of like triangles and polygons and stuff and you know like it's a it's a thing but the thing that got me giggling a little bit is that uh, i don't know if you've ever beaten Star Fox. um you haven't <laughs> i've played like five minutes of Star Fox. okay well the last boss in Star Fox is this it's a i mean it's on the super nintendo so rendering polygons was not exactly a thing um mm-hmm. but it's basically it basically looks like a polygonal like approximation of a of a weight face and i was like oh it's andros i've heard that name from, yeah it's andros from Star Fox. um and then we cut to cell phone footage um and i don't know something about this guy's acting didn't it it was starting to bug me 
because we get yeah. a very long sustained shot of just this guy kind of presumably improvising oh i hated this movie from this moment as soon as it started i'm like this i'm i'm not this guy's acting if this if this is going to be like this is going to keep happening i'm like i'm not going to like this movie yeah he he she's antagonizing him antagonizing him by doing nothing she's just standing there filming and she's just letting him lose it um, he's also drinking on the job, which I don't yeah. know what you're supposed to do. Uh, I don't think the manager of the barn, the barn drive-through convenience store, would really give a shit. But still, that's unprofessional, dude. It's uh, not how you get ahead in life—is drinking on the job. Um, yeah, she she doesn't say anything. She just stands there, and she, I don't know. He he starts to freak out. He's like, "Oh, you want me to do something funny for you?" And he he starts doing stuff, and then she pulls out a gun with a silencer on it. Uh, he pisses himself. Because he's scared at that point. I would just would have ran at that point. Uh, I'm like, the door's open. You have no obstacle. Just go. Yeah, for real. Just leave. <laughs> also, she's, this actress is 5'1". And sometimes you can hide it in filmmaking. Like, you can you can make Tom Cruise seem taller. Or you can make Scarlett Johansson seem a little taller. At no point are you ever afraid of this girl. She's 5'1 and, like, 90 pounds, maybe. Like, she's Yeah, she, she's tiny. really tiny. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, bef- before she pulls the gun on him, I just I have a note here. I was writing very quickly because things. This movie it doesn't move super fast, but I oh no, I, we stop and take in every scene. Yes. Yeah, I I made it a point to type very fast and very frequently because I assumed correctly that a lot of this was just going to be visual stuff. So like I was just like paying attention to anything that jumped out at me and i noticed that he puts a pretzel in his mouth and he utterly fails at eating <laughs> like like he gets like a third of it in his mouth and the rest of it just snaps on his beard and like falls into his lap i was like come on man junk junk food's another thing that we can we'll, we can get into a little later i think there might be some the director might be trying to say something about uh nutrition uh, but we start off with pretzels but we'll we'll, we'll work our way through uh, but yeah, uh, he should have just fucking punched her in the head uh, when she walked in with the camera because I'm like, he could have totally overtaken this person. No well, And he does. Asked. He does. That's why I'm like, how, <laughs> does she, how does she get out of this? I don't even know how she gets out. Uh, it's a little awkwardly choreographed. Um, so when he collapses in a heap on the floor and, and pisses himself, he starts babbling and crying about having a family and having a baby. Um, he doesn't have a kid. <laughs> no, I, I don't think he's procreated. Um <laughs> and she she's holding the gun to his head and at some point she starts laughing though yeah. um and he takes offense to this and snaps and he actually just bum rushes her yeah and he he grabs her and but again she's like five one and he undertake nine. he undertake her like almost choke slams her He's yeah got he, her up against- he sets her up for the choke slam he doesn't yeah. quite land it but he he gets her off the ground undertake and he has her, it. yeah he, he you know has her pinned up against the wall with one hand uh, he has taken the gun from her at this point, and then she like throws a a, a box of straws on his head. Something the lightest thing. Again, this is another instance where you could have put like a squeaky toy in there yeah. when she hits him, and the sound effect would have been appropriate because it's not a crushing blow by any means. No. It's not a steel chair, nor a steel bucket, nor a steel ladder. Um, and he wrestles the gun from her, and then he actually tries to pull the trigger. I think. Yeah. And he discovers that's fake, um, and in the confusion, she runs away to the car, and she of course gets away. And I don't know why he decides to give chase, but he charges out of the, like out of the barn after her, and then we get a shot of 
her driving away from him. Uh, cut to an inside the car angle looking up at her face so we finally get to see our protagonist's face. Um, Addison Timlin. Have you seen her in anything else? No, but she looks remarkably like my friend's wife. My my friend... Uh, um, I don't want to say his name. But yeah, oh, the whole yeah, time I'm like, it, just, it looks just like her. It's ridiculous. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I, that's always weird when you're when you're like watching a movie or something. It's like, this person reminds me too much of someone I know. The whole time, yeah. <laughs> Even... Cause she even has blonde hair now. I'll send you a picture so you can see. But she has, the, she has the when she's wearing the wig, she has blonde short hair like that. Oh no! Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, that was funny. I, and she's super short like that. I have only seen her in. I think she was in the last season of Californication. I got through. I think season four and maybe started season five, and then I'm like, all right, enough about dicks. Like I'm done with this show. <laughs> That's uh, like ninety percent I mean, of that show was about dicks. I maintain that the first three seasons of that movie or uh, series are are excellent. I agree. Um, it was fun. I love Runkle. Yeah, Runkle's the best. Mm-hmm. And and his wife. And uh, his wife. Yeah, she's uh, funny. I don't remember the I don't know her name. She's a name, comedian. But, uh, yeah. I think she's the voice of Bobby Hill. Um, <laughs> I can see um, that. I think she is. Um, but she was on. Uh, she was on Louis. Uh, Louis TV show on Netflix. On, on she's, FX. Sorry, she's FX. Great. No, yeah, she's, she's very funny. Excellent. But. Um, yeah, season three ends, I think, with him like getting arrested, and it feels like not not a good end to the series, but but like almost right off the bat when we get to season four, it's like, oh no, we ran out of ideas. Yeah. And season four takes a hard dip, and five takes an even harder dip, where it's is like, that, oh no, where are we going with this? Is that when his daughter's boyfriend like writes a script and he passes it along, and then his yeah at that point I'm like I'm done. This is yeah. Dumb. I hated that whole subplot, especially because they they actually like end up putting a positive spin on that boyfriend character. Where it's like, does he have oh. a huge Does he have a huge dick? Because that was pretty much the the he oh, has yeah. a huge dick and he's a good writer. Of course, so like, yeah. I don't want to like this character. Damn it, <laughs> she's dating she's dating her dad because did you know that uh, Hank Moody is a good writer who has a huge dick. Uh, yeah, that's that's Californication. That's the show. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, Addison Timlin was in the last season, if I remember correctly, and she was she was pretty good in that. Uh, she Sorry. played a, a similar role where you know she has a look to her that um, I don't know gives gives her like almost an alien quality where it's like difficult to relate to. I guess she is. Uh, I think. She was cast specifically because she looks very, very young. Uh, she's uh, two years younger than she's two years younger than me. Like she's twenty eight now, and she was roughly twenty five or twenty six. She does not look. She looks like she's like fifteen in this movie. Yeah, she looks very young. Very um, young. But I, I do have to give her credit though. She does some stuff with her face in this movie that uh, communicates quite a bit more than the script does. Mm-hmm. Um, she has these uncertain looks that are basically unreadable and it it's looks very pained and very depressed and it's very effective if you ask me her performance and i'll say that marshall's performance are pretty good Um, yeah i think think he was very i thought he was pretty good like he that easily could have been like a a weird like uncomfortable role but he's actually very warm and intriguing in some ways he has a minor role in the Dead Don't Die. I think he might. He he's done a couple of Jarmish films, uh, but he he is one of the laugh out loud moments uh, in the Dead Don't Die for me. Um, well, apparently he's a he's a prolific uh, writer slash director slash actor. Um, in fact, I, I pulled up I pulled up his profile and he was involved in these games called Until Dawn, 
uh, that are like these photorealistic uh, performance captured games. That it's kind of like a choose your own uh, slasher movie adventure. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so it's it's kind of like you're watching a movie, but you get to interject every once in a while and make a decision. And the whole idea is the story keeps going, and you kind of get to your actions dictate when the kills happen and to whom, kind of. Okay. Yeah, I've actually been really interested to see what those games are like. But anyway, uh, we we cut to this inside the car angle, uh, looking up at Addison Timlin as she's driving, and uh, she's kind. Of, you can tell she got a little bit of a rush out of what just happened. Um, I did note here that like the image quality is a little funky from this angle. Uh, I would I would assume that like because we're in a cramped space, maybe they didn't use the best camera or something. Like they yeah. had a secondary camera they had to use because they just couldn't fit the normal one in there. Um, and then we get our like first example of like experimental edits uh, in this movie. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we get the um, we get the the hotel room scene, and I had uh, we took a break there for a second so I could have Trevor see the music video. Uh, I saw this music video from Miley Cyrus's "Do It" a long time ago. Uh, I think it was published in 2015. Uh, and it is, I'd say, almost verbatim, uh, this this scene with uh, close-ups on her mouth. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, Miley Cyrus in the video and in here, she's putting things in her mouth and spitting it out, and it's coming onto her face. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where you see, you see people put uh, the sleeve uh, around their wrist in water, or uh, just something that aggravates you, like dropping water down their shirt. Like It's like, oh, why are you doing stuff like that? It's kind of like that, where you see the, the goo and the stickiness. You're just like, oh, why wouldn't you clean your mouth? Um, and I'm like, I kind of get what you're going for, but I've already seen it. Um, and apparently you have, too, because this is just like the video. Yeah, um, Kyle actually introduced me to this uh, Miley Cyrus music video um, off air. Uh, it, this is my first time being aware of that, so I kind of got both of these at the same time. But um there are some very close similarities between the two. In particular, I mean, the entire Miley Cyrus music video is is a, a macro shot of, of essentially below her nose and the bottom of her chin. So it's just mm-hmm. a, a shot of her mouth and then any number of substances being poured in and out of her mouth. Um, trippy editing, too, where there's a lot of reverse edits in that music video. Um, I would say that, like me, probably... I wouldn't be surprised if they used that as like inspiration. Yeah. Although they they take the like grotesque nature of some of that and dial it up a few notches. Um, yes. Because they they definitely uh, dial up the lighting. Like there's some really abrasive uh, colored lighting. Uh, the macro's even tighter. Uh, there's a lot more gum. <laughs> like a lot more gums in the shot. It's it's intentionally trying to like get under your skin. And uh, like me has um, a lot of macros of like. I think the first shot is is some sort of drug being placed on the middle of the tongue. Um, there's a lot of like chewing of gum and like eating like fruity pebbles and, and yeah. a lot of colorful colorful candies and things going into the mouth. Um, the editing is very stuttery. Um, actually, that's how we get our our title. Is the it kind of does an Agent Smith and it goes ah, oh, like yeah. dial up kind of fucking up. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of images of food and. Uh, there is there's one particular camera angle in this movie that like I need to applaud them for. I call it the uh, Ryuhei Kitamura angle. Um, he was the fellow that directed Versus. Oh. Um, I t- we we talked about that movie previously. However, one of his movies that came out I think a year or two after that was called Azumi. 
Um, it was actually a big budget movie, like a like a studio film. A Z U M I Azumi. Okay, are you familiar? I think I, ha- I think I have that written down on my list. Okay, uh, I I would watch that with you. I mean, it's it's a good time. It's too long, but um, I'm always fascinated to see like a director like where you start out in your career is not where you'll end up. And he got bumped up to like the the mainstream like big budget pictures like within a year or two of like his his earliest ng features so he was like they strapped a rocket to him they gave him a a nuclear push (laughs) um um, but i call it i call this his angle because there's a shot in azumi where two people are having a sword fight on like a it's essentially like a gangplank (laughs) like um and they strap the camera to some sort of rig that rotates vertically around them Mm -hmm. and it's very disorienting and trippy looking and they they do that in this opening montage in Like Me. Um, much better, though. Because in, in Azumi, it's just kind of disorienting and, and weirdness for the sake of weirdness. Um, in this one, it's like, whoa, that was kind of fucking cool. Because well, essentially, what, what, we, what we have is like a rainbow-shaped path for the camera. So it's rotating around Addison Timlin, who's doing, doing like yoga in the middle of her motel room. She's smoking... Um, uh, doing yoga, I think maybe she does some drugs, and I I thought maybe that's what they were getting at with this was that she was doing drugs, but I'm not really even positive. Well, the first shot that starts this montage is some sort of white wafer looking thing placed on the middle of her tongue melting. I have yeah. to assume that's some sort of drug. I guess, um, yeah. Unless she's into Alka Seltzer because she eats too much junk food or something. Yeah. I mean, she does eat a lot of pizza. Maybe that pepperoni gets to her gut or something. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this this camera it arcs around her, so it it swoops over her and it's locked onto her the whole time. But then when it gets to the floor, uh, we get a reverse of it, and it creates this perfect circle. Mm-hmm. And we rotate through the floor and out of the floor multiple times, and it looks like they dropped a couple of frames on purpose to make it extra funky looking. It almost looks like stop motion. In yeah. fact, it may have been. Um, it just looks really fucking cool. Yeah. And it, it was something that they put in the trailer, which again was the only reason I watched this movie. I didn't exactly research it or anything. I just saw a trailer with some images, thought it looked neat, and this was one of those shots. Um, yeah. I thought it was cool. I don't know how you thought about it. This was the only part of the movie that I liked. This was, if I had to say something positive about this movie, it's this this hotel room scene. That's there's there's a couple of vignettes here and there that I'll also defend, but this is maybe the standout example of it. And then, of course, uh, we conclude the sequence with her vomiting into the camera. Yeah. Because you probably shouldn't do yoga on on hard drugs and pizza. so the next sequence is uh we're we're looking at uh internet reactions so she posted the video of her uh putting the gun on the guy uh it's kind of implies that her motivations are i guess she wants to be youtube famous or wherever she's posting these famous Uh, it's more or less somebody trying to be a youtube star um we got this is stupid this is awesome i want more from her this is this is the worst thing i've ever seen um and She's somewhat. She's not really affected by it, except for by one person. And I don't know who the fuck this guy is. I don't know if he's supposed to be like a troll or like toxic person personified, just the the toxic energy of people on the internet, just being flat out fucking mean. 
Um, but Burt Walden, we mentioned at the top, uh, this guy, he, I know you haven't seen Mad Men, but he looks like fucking, there's this kid on Mad Men, he looks just like, and he is the grossest fucking kid throughout that show. Um, I, I literally get angry when I see him on screen. Um, I wonder if I could find a mashup of all of his clips on there and I'll show it to you and you can be like, oh yeah, I get what you mean. It's the director. most annoying man in the world. (laughs) It's the show's, it's the show creator's son too. Um, Oh shit. Yes, but Burt Walden's just like, uh, he's like, I'd say 15 maybe. Uh, he's just like, what the actual fuck? Like, he's like a, a pseudo-intellectual who's just like, this is stupid. He sounds like uh, Jonathan Doe from Seven at one point. Like, he's just like, this is embarrassing mockery of human society and it's disgusting to me. Like, you just like, shut the fuck he sounds. Up. He sounds like a teenager. I, mean, I hate to say it, but he, he just sounds like a pretentious teenager who thinks they have all the answers and, you know, sees the big picture that no one else does. It's like, no, everybody sees the same picture. You're a crazy person. <laughs> you don't see anything. Yeah, no, none of your thoughts are unique. You're not a, you're not special in that regard. The only difference is, you know, at some point you realize you have enough miles and enough, you know, welts and bruises under your belt that's like, you gotta wake up tomorrow anyway, so shut the fuck up and do it. <laughs> stop whining. Stop whining. <laughs> but she she seems to be she seems to be affected by him, and he's just like, this is amateur. Like you didn't even do anything. Like this isn't even violent. This is kind of sad. And so she's just like, you gotta tell that she internalizes this. Is like, all right, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to kick it up a notch. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It needs to be said during his whole call out session. Um. We're cutting back and forth between him her reactions and old-timey cartoon it's so fucking stupid it's a little pretentious yeah um, because this this like the the funniest example that comes to mind is like there's that thing in film school which by the way neither kyle and i neither kyle nor i have been to film school Uh, i think taking some film courses I think um, this dude graduated by the skin of his teeth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It kind of has that feel to it. But, I mean, there's this there's this thing called the Kuleshov effect that I'm sure you're aware of, even if you don't know it by name. Um, but basically, it's where um, two images in sequence, um, you it, you automatically like project some emotion onto the second image based on, based on the content of the first image. Um, and I don't know what the fuck they're trying to do with this, like Popeye and <laughs> not Tom and Jerry, but like, like of the era, like 1940s, 1950s cartoon footage and this teenage boy yelling at this girl via YouTube. I have no idea how those things are associated with each other. Maybe they're trying to say something. I didn't get it, but I did like the, uh, the clip of it's like a, it's like a cartoon lamb being a attacked by people they're trying to slaughter it Mm -hmm. um that was kind of cool i got that that was pretty explicit but um the last thing that he says in his call out video and it's a it's a labeled as like a reaction video which i only just kind of became aware of apparently oh really oh it's a huge it's a huge it's like 80 percent of youtube apparently yeah it's It's just people reacting to other people's drama yeah um so old man in the room i guess <laughs> but um yeah the last thing he says is you should slit your wrists and yeah reminds her vertical not horizontal that that's where i kind of like is he supposed to represent people like this bully like basically internet bullies i um, think so yeah um, I, I think so and i it's funny the the other the other people reacting to her video because we get a whole montage of of other people talking direct to camera and reacting to her her video and stuff and giving commentary 
like 50% of it is it feels genuine and it's pretty decently well put together and then fif- the other 50% is like oh you you needed to find a better actor for that. <laughs> well, part of, part of this feels like he was writing this while he was in film school. He's just like, I feel like the internet's just going to go this way where we're just like all controlled by what other people think and they're not even like they're not even qualified to be to have opinions on it. And by the time he got to this movie, I'm like, yeah, dude, we already know that. Like we're well into it. We're aware of it. Like this movie was just too little too late. I guess. Yeah, it like I said, the the world moves so fast now that it's like any idea you have and the time it takes to produce that idea, um, it you may already be too late. And in this case, definitely I think so. Yeah, teenagers are the worst, and you give them a platform to have an opinion, it's not gonna be fun. Like it's yeah. it's not gonna no, be teen- a good time. Teen- teenagers are the worst. The worst <laughs> people. So <laughs> Um But we cut from that and uh we get this kind of neat tracking shot of her running down the stairs of like a it's like a l train or something yeah it looks like a um, subway platform or something it, i couldn't help but think about batman begins when uh, he meets up with rachel dobbs and, and she attempts to tase him <laughs> it's just uh, yeah. like the train platform kind of reminded me of that is that when he has um, his dumb hair in that movie or does he have his new bruce wayne because whatever hair he had before he becomes batman in the batman begins that is the they were trying batman. to make him look young kyle he looked like an <laughs> asshole is what he, he did like. look like an asshole and he needs <laughs> to learn how to shut his mouth because he's yeah. just got those lips hanging open for no reason you're letting bad air in <laughs> your breath stinks christian bale you and naomi watts both of you you got bad breath <laughs> just leave it hanging open let that air swish around and live in there for five years see how it smells but no it was a, he had the bat suit on by then okay so, and he saves her from some guy who's coming after her anyway leverage <laughs> to get things moving <laughs> um but yeah, we get this tracking shot of her running down some stairs, and there's this like cute little music cue of it's like it's like a close up of her feet like bounding down the stairs, and it it's like a plinky plinky plink like xylophone track. Mm-hmm. That was cute. You know? <laughs> I mean, again, it sounds cheap, but in this instance, the editing kind of worked with it. Um, and I I gotta say, man, I I dig her color scheme here. She, she I got didn't. a I oh <laughs> I noticed so. She got a she has a a blue beanie and a like a bright yellow jacket. I was like, that. That's kind of cute. I like that. <laughs> um, and then she rolls up on a homeless man who's very tall and has a, like the ugliest of monkey butt haircuts and pretty awful complexion. Um, and she he looks pulls legit. Oh, he looked legit. His performance is good too. I think that yeah. he he might have the best performance in the whole film. I'm like, I actually feel for this guy, and I I don't even know if they want me to. Like, this guy was good. Yeah, I liked him. Um, I liked that he he never felt strained or labored in his performance it felt very naturalistic and he's he's weird looking but he's a person like mm-hmm. he's he's not there to be a prop basically yeah um but she she holds the phone up to him she basically pulls the same trick that she did with the guy at the barn and we get this like really awkward moment or two yeah where it's it's just shot from the phone perspective so the the quality's grainy and whatnot no iphone 11 in 2017 <laughs> um no. and i the guy just stares at her. He's not even looking at the camera. He's looking at her. And it takes like 10, 15 seconds, and he just says, turn that off. And her response is to pause again for a couple seconds and just say like, huh? Why? She goes, yeah, why? Yeah, why? Why? And eventually what it, it ends up being is uh, there's a whole lot of awkwardness and a lot of pauses and silences, but she ends up asking, if I stop recording, will you get pancakes with me? Um. 
so one thing I remember my mom saying to me at one point in high school was, uh, she's like, you don't need to be entertained all day. Like she was saying, I was just being lazy. Uh, and you can kind of tell, I don't, I'm not sure how old she's supposed to be. She claims she's 17 at one point. I'm guessing she's 19. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing I, I don't like, think she's actually 17. She's not 17. I think she's 19. Uh, she can buy cigarettes. Um, she, she seems a little bit uh, like she needs attention, but she also just kind of wants to be entertained. That's why when she sits down to the, I guess the guy, you know, he agrees. She's like, I'll turn it off if we go get pancakes. Um, so he takes her to get pancakes and they have just like a, a drunk person order of food where it's just everything on the menu. Yeah, you remember Avengers Endgame? You remember the pancakes? Yeah. These kind of pancakes. <laughs> uh, and he douses an unholy amount of syrup onto these pancakes. And uh, they just kind of sit there and they eat and they go through all the food. Um, I like this little... This was a nice little scene. I, this I was actually like. one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. Yeah. Um, it heard to, I, The whole time I'm like, what is the end game here? What is the point of this? I'm like, is she going to dine and dash and leave him? And that's going to be the funny thing. Cause that would get a good response on the internet. It would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it would. It would. Uh, and I'm like, is she going to like fatten him up before she kills him? Is she just legit trying to have a, a conversation? But this is where her facial expressions come into play where it's like, I'm not sure what she's trying to accomplish here. Yeah. Act, that's exactly. I wrote it in my notes. That's actually why I like this scene is that her face and her words and her actions, none of it syncs up. No. And it, it works. I, I, th- I think this scene works. Um, also, I really love the, I really love the colors and, the, and just the set design in this, in this diner. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like straight out of Dick Tracy. Like the, oh, the yeah yeah it, like totally it looks straight out of the you know the Warren Beatty Dick Tracy where the we should do a, we should do an episode on that just because we both love it. <laughs> well, actually, that's not true, Kyle. Oh, you don't um, like it? No, it, it's not that I don't like it. It's like it's one of those movies that it fits into this weird category where it's one of those movies that I want so badly to love because there's so much about it that I do love, but just every time I watch it, I walk away from it being like it. It's just not as good as i want it to be it, it's i it never i never hate it i never like walk away from it feeling like i wasted my time it's just like man it's just not as well constructed as it really ought to be it's well it's warren Beatty because he's giving like 60 percent, and you have mm, al pacino it's madonna. Who's giving, really <laughs> it's madonna for me wow i thought so much of the screen t- so much of the screen time is devoted to her and she does not fit. It's kind of like uh, when you put um, oh, Re- Rebecca De Mornay in the Three Musketeers movie. I'm like, she's not she's supposed to be here. She's in a different fucking movie. <laughs> That's a different movie. Like Madonna, like she's showing nipples when she talks to him in her like back in the backstage room. I'm like, what kind of movie are we talking about here? This is supposed yeah. to be off a, car- a a cartoon strip from the newspaper. <laughs> and you know, I didn't need her to sing like four or five songs in that movie. Maybe two. It works for the montages. I'll give. Uh, they that, they try the to problem, keep it to the Kyle. Not all of that should have been montages. I'm a set piece man. You got to have your Raiders of the Lost Ark truck chase. You got to have that every once in a while. There's almost none of that in that movie. Also, that movie is like almost like Black Hawk Down, where you're like, who's in that movie? Fucking everybody. Mandy Patinkin is 88 Keys. I, I <laughs> forgot that he was in that movie. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, no, it has Sorry. the like maybe the biggest cast of its day. I think it does. It it probably wins for that. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but again, it's one of those movies that actually that maybe maybe that's an episode we could do someday. Like not just Dick Tracy, but for me, there is this the weird category. Paintings. Of movies. They're gorgeous. 
the it's, it's a gorgeous the, movie. The best <laughs> matte paintings in cinema. Danny Elfman phoned it in a little bit because he was just coming off of Batman. But yeah, the matte paintings, the sets, the costumes, it's glorious. Most of yeah. the performances, fantastic. Except but every time I watch that movie, I'm like, it's not what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And that's a shame. Like, I'm, And that happens sometimes. There's just movies out there that's like, you, every part of you wants to love it. You just can't. <laughs> It's like <laughs> it's it's, gotcha. it's a weird thing. It's hard to it's hard to explain. like heat. It's like heat for me. For you, yeah. On I paper, mean, I should like it. On paper, you should absolutely adore that movie. But you I know. hate it. I hate it even more. For some reason, it popped in my head like yesterday. I'm like, God damn it, I hate that movie. All right, sorry, <laughs> but let's fuck it's heat, man. <laughs> fuck heat. Uh, all right, let's keep going here, though. Uh, so yeah, we're at the diner, and like I said, the color scheme here is amazing. Um, I love the the green on the booth, and there's pink for pink fluorescence all over the place um even the jello on the table is like it's like that garish like fucking bright ass pink it's kind of cool like a lot Mm -hmm. of thought and consideration went into constructing this scene um and like kyle had said this entire booth is just piled high with food like we have like pancakes and like hash browns and jello all manner of goodies um and we keep cutting back and forth between like him stuffing his face and her like shooting him a like a pained smile where it's like i don't know what the fuck that means she looks like she's trying to tell me that she's enjoying herself but i don't believe her <laughs> like but yeah the two of them they're just like it is it is glutton bowl 3000 both stuff in their faces um and also i noted here that there's a there's a multi-channel shot in this um, basically we have two macros of both of their mouths like cutting the frame in half um, and I put in my notes, uh, multi-channel, mark of an artist with a, a smiley face with a wink. Because, um, again, I went to the Evergreen State College. Um, they do have a small film program there, which I did. I was not involved in. I just helped people out with their projects because I never got into the program. But, um, <laughs> like, half of the, the films exhibited at the end of the year uh, via that program made use of multi-channel. And to yeah. this day, like... I don't know if it's true, but I always think of like pretentious art films as as using this technique at some point. Also, uh, not pretentious, but uh, Brian De Palma was very famous for his use of multi-channel stuff. Um, yeah. you, uh, Carrie, like that's an example, you know, where yeah. they have multiple shots in one frame. Um, but yeah, her face is twitching during this whole sequence, um, just like making expressions that are very difficult to read. And at some point, she just kind of says very meekly just like hi and then she asks for a story and she's very insistent mm-hmm. um and this is this is where the scene started to work for me is uh not just the visual component but i noticed that she keeps asking for a story and he's very resistant like not like not like aggressively so but he, he obviously doesn't really want to talk to her he doesn't want to know her no because he wants him he wants the meal for fucking sure but he, this is a weird circumstance for anyone, and he just doesn't really want to get involved. Um, and he he doesn't really offer up any response, but she's very insistent. She keeps asking repeatedly, but she keeps interrupting herself and him. And she, at some point, right before he seems like he's about to come around, she's like, oh, I, I have to pee. <laughs> it's just, yeah. um, and it just, again, this is a situation where I feel like the writer slash director just didn't have the chops to, to communicate whatever message it was they were trying to but there is something to be said for i don't know having having needs and wants but lacking the tools 
to actually reach out for those things because mm-hmm. throughout this movie I, I was building a theme in my head for the character where it's like this is somebody who's looking to connect but just utterly lacks the tools to follow through with that where it's like they know what they they know what they need but they just can't do it yeah uh, yeah and because there, there's several instances in the film where it's like it seems like she's getting close to people and then immediately she kind of like steps on her own toes or she pulls out her phone and does something twisted instead of, you know, following through and just letting things be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, she right before he st- starts to tell her a story, he's he, he's like muttering to himself like, oh, you know, it's not a good one. But, you know, like five years ago and she's like, oh, what kind of animal would you be? <laughs> and he's like, uh, I don't know, something in the water, something, something big, something just floating around and she's like a whale shark and it's like just let him fucking talk like like, don't ask a question then they cut the person off that's like communication 101 well i i think that we're we're kind of dancing around i think what her characters i think her character had a bad relationship with her parents and there's some dialogue between uh her and marshall um i think she's maybe like putting off responsibility at this point, like she's she's taking that that uh, that gap year right now between college. This is just a young girl's post high school gap year, uh, where she's just like, yeah, I'm just kind of figuring stuff out right now. And this seems like uh, a reaction that somebody who hasn't quite shaken their parents, like what, like oh, do you mean this? Like she can't get an she can't get a word in. Like they're just kind of putting words into her mouth and i think that might be it could be a reflection of that and why she's acting this way could, could be and also it needs to be said she has a preoccupation with interacting with adults people mm-hmm. who are not within her age bracket um and, and uh also funny you use the word reflection uh, this is around the time where this visual theme of reflections starts to enter into the picture uh, because she cuts him off again before he's about to you know come forward with a story for her and she's like, oh I, I have to pee and she just runs off to the restroom and we get this interestingly composed shot where it's her head in the foreground in the, the right of the frame and it's all blurred out and then very tiny in the left side of the frame uh, we see her reflection and she just has this like muted expression and all throughout this movie if you're looking for it uh, there are a lot of instances where she's only visible via a reflection mm-hmm. and I get the sense that it's basically trying to communicate that this is this is a person that's very detached and maybe doesn't have maybe doesn't have the best perspective on themselves, I guess. I would say 100%, yeah. Yeah, um and then she comes back and he's gone. Um, you know, this, and she the, she looks sincerely bummed here. <laughs> uh, something about this feels so Hagazusa uh was the film school thesis like it was like, like a thesis film i believe uh what it what it turned out to be okay. uh for um what's his face uh lucas uh fiegelfeld uh this kind of has a like this almost seems like a, a a film school project where it's like we're gonna okay so this week there doesn't need to be much of a story but we're gonna work with um using certain motifs to illustrate uh, the internal, like, what's happening with the character. Like, having her reflection in mirrors. There's a few times that they have that. And I'm like, yeah, I could see that. That Like, oh, I'm going to use mirrors to show you that she's, um, a, like, a, a mimic of herself. Or she's not really even herself completely. It's a mirror image of her. I don't know. There's just some, some, of, the, some of the ways, like, the way, because the shift is about to happen. I, I'm bringing this up because 
we get some, um, I like to call it art house dicking around, uh, where she's just like messing around in a carnival, uh, smoking cigarettes, just fucking around. Just yeah, this, doing this is where the, uh, the gummo shot happens where she's mm-hmm. on a, a bridge that has one of those cages on like all, all around it, like on either side and above. Um, if I remember right, one of the opening shots of Gummo is is like a kid, I think in like a bunny suit or something, on on a bridge that's constructed in a similar fashion, and like yeah, she it is just kind of dicking around. Like there's no yeah. sound here; it's just the score, and it's just a montage of her looking really disengaged and depressed, fucking around town, um, and it culminates with her uh, buying a rat. Um, and there's yeah. actually kind of a cool shot of her like planted in front of some fish tanks, like it's the entire wall of fish tanks that. You know, if I was collecting shots for a fucking around art house montage, I would, perfect. Take, I, I would get let's that go, shot. Let's <laughs> go to a carnival. I mean, that would probably have all the lights I need for a fucking around montage. I mean, yeah. if you can't afford a fucking light kit, yeah. Work for Shazam. So this is a um, this is a topic that I after I watched Leon the Professional, I kind of talked to my girlfriend about a little bit. Um, that movie's it's not bad uh but the theme of like um adolescent like teenage girl coming into like going through puberty coming into her sexual uh own it's kind of explored a little bit in there and maybe kind of sheds light on some of the frustrations um i have no idea what it's like to be a teenage girl uh i can only i can only guess that's kind of what they were getting at um and that's kind of where i thought this was going um and i think it could kind of be along those lines but this is where the movie changes a little bit i liked where it started and then when the guy actually comes to the room i'm like what the fuck now uh this seems like it turns into hellraiser yeah (laughs) uh so she's in this uh, american horror story or something (laughs) american horror story perfect yes that's exactly how it feels uh so she calls the front desk and she's talking to some older guy on the phone we don't know who he is um, she calls him and she's like, you, do you remember me coming into the front desk? And he's like, yeah, I remember you. And she's like, uh, what do I look like? And he's like, oh, you look young. And she's like, like how young? And she's like, oh, not too young. And she's like, do you want to fuck me? And then just hangs, hangs up. up. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. She's kind of toying with him. And then she calls him again. We get another mirror shot of her like sitting against the wall in a normal looking motel room. And then somebody knocks on the door and just unlocks the door and comes in. Enter Mitchell. Uh, and she's done a pretty good paint job on this room, because uh, it looks completely different now. Yeah, it does look completely different. I did like some of the shots leading up to the sequence. Um, there, after she makes the phone call, she look she like paces around a bit. Like you can tell she's uncertain of what she's doing. Yeah, but she's still fucking doing it. Um, she like pokes her head out into the hallway, and we get like a Kubrickian shot down a hall. It's it's very yellow. Um, obviously shot on a set, but good use of ambient sound effects of like babies crying and like people walking around an apartment complex that make it feel like an actual apartment building. I noted the kid, there's a baby crying throughout the majority of this sequence up until she zip ties him. I think it's more just there to make it feel like we're in a lived in space as opposed to just what, what it actually is, which is a fucking art studio. (laughs) Um, but yeah, she, uh, when she sits down and we get that reflection shot, her very tiny in the mirror, um, we also get some like experimental animations here that we, I thought were actually kind of cool. 
Real quick, so the shot of her looking down a hallway, is, do, do we see a long hallway? Is that the shot? I don't remember it. It's not super long, but yeah. It, it's just her looking down a blank hallway because she's expecting him to be coming, but nobody shows up. There's a Freudian implication that when you dream uh, a long hallway or throwing or doing something having to do with a long hallway is uh, sex. It's an interpretation for sex. I could see that, yeah. <laughs> um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it just, and then the baby crying in the background—that's not an accident. There's a reason why. I, I I don't know if it's to make it feel more like a cheap motel. I think it's there for a, a different reason. I can but, see that. I mean, the timing of when the baby comes in is right before she makes that phone call. So this mm-hmm. could be like a play on like innocence in some fashion. Yeah, because I mean, she like you said, she is represented as being very very young, um, and she's flirting with the idea. It, it almost feels like somebody trying to lose their virginity like like just hitting it well, head on and yeah she, being nervous she, about it she's very hasty about it and as soon as she hangs up the phone uh, there's some regret on her face and she does yeah. pace around like oh maybe that wasn't smart but i guess we're going into it um but yeah i really like some of these it's very 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 brief but it's just like a very quick montage of experimental animations like mixed medium stuff so there's like i think some chalk uh some crayon uh, some hand-drawn stuff. Oh, that's me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. There's an elephant outside. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just a bunch of bizarre images. There's some, like, waves crashing. It's all actually extremely well animated. Like, the number of frames drawn here, it's commendable. And then there's, like, a, a wolf's mouth um, that we actually saw earlier in the movie, but stood out to me. It's, it's a little detail, but it goes a long way. Uh, and then there's a knock at the door. And this guy, as soon as he comes in, the character's name is Marshall, right? Um, yeah. As soon as he comes in, I was like, he came in looking very Jack Torrance-esque. <laughs> like he looks hair, like his hair in his sweater. <laughs> he's like the he's like the Jack Nicholson uh, the Jack Nicholson sperm that missed the egg. Like if it had not been the Jack Nicholson sperm, this guy would have hit the egg and he would have come out that guy. Well, he looks like he looks like Jack Nicholson merged with Bob from Batman. Yeah. So Bob the Goon. Yeah, he does. So the two of them mixed together, and apparently those two were friends in real life, which is how Bob the Goon got that role. But Jeez. yeah, he he comes in and combination of his hair and his sweater. I was like, he he very much Whoa. looks like Jack Torrance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big time. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of funny, but um, and yeah, uh, what Kyle was was hinting at here about the construction of the room. He comes in, and like it's a shot of him like opening the door and kind of peeking in, like, are you decent? And then he kind of saunters into the room, and we get a reverse shot of what he sees. And my notes here just say, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So she's painted blood on the ceiling. Like, it looks like blood coming down from the ceiling on the walls. She has, uh, she's put a hammock up. And, I mean, she's found studs, uh, put the, uh, put the hooks into the walls and hung a hammock. And she's just kind of swinging on a hammock again i think going back to like the innocence part where she's on a swing more or less um she has on some kind of wig uh like, like i said my buddy's wife she has this haircut now it's very short and blonde she's got um a very i'm sorry this outfit was working for me uh yeah this, yeah this whole it's, it's like a this whole card but there's like selective parts of it that are semi-transparent yeah, it was working uh, i'm like well i guess i'm into that and she's got, <laughs> <laughs> and, She's got like a uh, 
pantyhose kind of ripped a little bit across her face where it's yeah. just reveal like just revealing enough but still kind of hiding her identity. Um mm. did you notice the technology that's in the room? I absolutely did, Kyle. Um, that's interesting. So there like in the early goings in this recording, we made mention of art installations and performance art. Um, one thing that the kids are really into is retro technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just pro- bought I just bought Star Wars the trilogy on uh, VHS because I'd watched it at my parents' house and it was great on the it, uh, VHS. Yeah, there's there's something about that texture, that that grainy quality that like it it works for that movie. It, it just movies. fucking works. It like, works. And, and also, it needs to be said like this all HD image quality and whatnot. They didn't have that in displays back in the day, so those special effects were constructed with with the technology of the time in mind. So you're actually kind of tarnishing some of those effects. Yeah. With with the HD quality, a hundred percent. I just watched Empire Strikes Back on VHS. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh yeah, that that asteroid field sequence looks amazing on VHS yeah, because all the all the little seams, all the little you know idiosyncrasies here and there. It's like you don't see it. You don't see it at all. <laughs> I, I re fell in love with it. I'm like, I don't even like Star Wars that much anymore because I saw the Blu-rays. I watched it on VHS. I'm like, oh, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Star Wars That's is great. back, baby. It's back. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, we walk a into a. a prof- <laughs> We walk into a perform. It feels like a performance art set, legit. Like it just walked. We're walking to almost a completely different movie. Uh, but yes, there is a boombox and a big shoulder-held camcorder uh, that she's using. Uh, first of all, there's. Pla- I noticed that there's plastic all over the room. If you've seen any movie, any mob movie, uh, American Psycho, why is there plastic on the floor? Hey Paul. <laughs> hey Paul. Uh, yeah, he. He even asks, he's like, what's all the plastic for? She goes, in case we make a mess. And I'm like, okay, so one of two things are about to happen. One, you're about to, you one, you're about to die. Or two, she is about to drop a fetish on you that you have not ventured into. Uh, <laughs> and I'm leaning more towards the former. Uh, yeah. Um, so, long story short, he walks in and he does, she asks him, like, like why did you come? And he, he just kind of says pretty nonchalantly, like, "I didn't like, want to miss the opportunity." Yeah, he's like, "You know, would have regretted not fucking you if I didn't." Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we don't do that though. No, uh, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he gets on the bed at like at her beckoning, and uh, she zip ties him to it. That's a big red flag right there. Big. Um, yeah, I I see in Basic Instinct. <laughs> um. <laughs> And he's on his back, obviously, and then the lights go out, and he's a little freaked out. Not too much. He's, he's nervous. He's not, like, freaking the fuck out. And all credit to this guy. Actually, that's maybe my favorite part of his performance is that he never flips out. Like, he's, no. he's always kind of on the level, and he seems very believable. Like, he, again, I've, I've gone to enough art shows to, to have encountered people with this temperament where it's like, no matter how weird this gets, it's like, I'm going to be mostly okay with it. <laughs> she, uh, she's like, do you know how old I am? He's like, how old are you? She goes, 17. And she's like, are you okay with that? And he's just like, yeah, pretty much. Um, like, yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah why not? Uh, but, yeah, the lights go out, and then they come back on, and she has, like, a prismatic disco lamp rig. It's like three miniature disco balls rotating, and there's a light shining on them. And I... I know it's cheap, 
but I thought this looked pretty fucking cool. Like, there's just, like, swirls of rainbow and blue light just spinning around the room from this one light source that's in the room, so you know where it's coming from. It's not a special effect by any means. But it's just cool looking for the sake of coolness. And and so much of this movie is just that. Like, just interesting-looking things just in there because they look interesting. doesn't really mm-hmm. have to mean anything. Um, but, yeah, the CRT television in the corner uh, is on. And, again, another thing that the kids are into is static, um, which we don't really have anymore on HDTV. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's playing static. But then she turns on the VHS camera. She, like, picks it up. And, like like Kyle had mentioned, this is a small gal. Um, <laughs> like, you can tell She's it's, like, one. It, like, this camera looks gigantic mounted on her shoulder. <laughs> um, and then she puts on the boom box and it's playing this like pretentious electronica and i noted that the uh, the lyrics on the soundtrack here um are basically just uh the words transformation and change over and over and over again in some capacity um and as it so happens the the vhs camera that she's holding is feeding directly into the tv and I wrote in my notes, it's complete. <laughs> it's just like it's like we checked every art installation box. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kyle, I don't know how much of King of the Hill you've seen. I, I presume three not episodes. That much. I, I absolutely love that show. It's one of my very favorite TV shows I've ever watched. To be honest, um, it's great. But there's one episode where uh, Hank Hill, uh, his uh, radiology, like of his of his colon he has a backed up colon at one point um his radiologist uh takes takes the image of his backed up colon and exhibits it as as an art piece and it gets a lot of attention in town <laughs> and so he's he like confronts the radiologist and is like man you gotta take that down that's that's my insides and he's like no it's art it's beautiful um and some of the characters in that art gallery are just hilarious there's this one exhibit that i always um you use the term fart house yeah. Um, I use the term walking man to describe pretentious art that means nothing to me um, because there's an exhibit in, in that scene where someone set up a series of like 24 CRT televisions all synced together and it's just a man in like a suit and a, a like a bowler cap walking from the right to the left of the frame and the soundtrack just keeps repeating walking man, walking man walking man <laughs> and forevermore like it's been inside joke with my friend and i whenever we go to like uh the seattle arts walk and stuff where it's like if we see something that looks like it's trying way too hard and we get nothing from it i'm like walking man he's like walking man <laughs> um but yeah what does she do uh when he's on the bed kyle she starts force feeding him junk food and i'm specifically junk food uh, she's feeding him like candy and fruity pebbles and cheese pizza, balls, <laughs> cheese balls, and I'm like, well, this is probably a fetish. Uh, I'm mean, pretty sure it is. It's got to be. I, I know there's a whole glutton fetish community, and this is definitely on there. Uh, young girl zip ties a, a ugly older man to the bed and force feeds him food till he. Well, she force feeds him food, and it's really gross. Uh, he's not fun to look at. And, uh, and also, he has, he's he's in pain too. Like he's not yeah. enjoying this. Again, seven. I think this guy saw the movie Seven, uh, because she she fills him up and then she starts pushing on his stomach to try to get him to throw up. Uh, and he does, and it's really gross. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, from here, my next note is what's sixty minutes. But I believe she uh, she takes off with him after this. 
Uh, well, there, yeah, there, yeah. She takes it. off with him, but um, needs to be said. Um, there's one shot where she's she's uh feeding him, and uh, she pours blue milk in his mouth, and I got to chuckle at that. Star I didn't Wars, even, man. I didn't notice that. Blue milk, man. <laughs> Aunt Beru, get the blue milk. <laughs> um, but yeah, she also cuts him too. Oh, she does give him a little cut. Yeah, she's like, yeah. eat or get cut, or eat or bleed is what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he vomits and then lights out, and then we fade up to a cool shot of her hanging from the hammock. Um, we're we're looking I, up no. at her. You didn't it's like that? Cool, nope, I hated that shot because that's exactly what I was supposed to think with that shot. I knew it, they were getting like, oh, this is going to be a really cool shot. It's her swing. No. <laughs> I guess she's she's still swinging, meaning that I guess she didn't have sex. She's still innocent. <laughs> but yeah, I knew as soon as I saw him, like, you want me to think that's a cool shot. I don't think it's a cool shot. To I get quote, what you're doing. To quote Kinanu, I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, we go to a gas station. Yeah, we go to a gas station. Uh, she's just sitting there, I guess, filling up the gas tank. And this little girl comes up with a little plastic gun. And she engages with her. She's like, oh, playing with her a little bit. Um, I kind of like this this scene I kind of liked. Because you, it, it's good It's good storytelling, I think. Because uh, she's just kind of playing with the kid. And she asks her something, fucking fart house. And uh, <laughs> you hear a uh, boom, 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 boom. Uh, a noise in the car i'm like oh shit she's got the dude in the car uh and she's like what's in your trunk she's like do you want to see what's in my trunk <laughs> uh yeah i thought that was pretty good because i wasn't expecting that yeah I, I this was a cute little exchange it doesn't last very long um she does play a little bit with the kid and she tells the girl um you shouldn't play with strangers you might have too much fun and she gets yeah. kind of a knowing smile here uh, what i liked about this this little exchange here though was that she starts to have a conversation with the little girl and again the moment that they start to relate to each other you hear the mom from off screen calling the little girl back and addison timlin's face communicates that's like oh man <laughs> like yeah. like little little kid or not this is a, a human connection that i was in the process of forming that instantly you know goes away and now I have to go back to dealing with this guy in my trunk. <laughs> so again, I think there's a theme that they're trying to build here. It didn't. It wasn't exactly cohesive, but I, you know, I saw what I saw. I, I appreciate it. But um, and then she uh, opens the trunk, and she's like, you know, I, I, <laughs> you're, I'm probably not your favorite person right now, but like, if you want to come out of the trunk, I'm willing to let you sit in the back seat. Um, and then we get a dialogue exchange between the two of them as he's laying in the back seat. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. This is where I was like, oh, this movie takes itself seriously because we're hinting at... She's like, why don't you give the, the rat a name? And she's like, the rat... The, he's like, I don't want to give... She's like, I don't want to give the rat a name. It's like, yeah, because the name is not for them. They don't know what the name is. The, the name is for you. I'm like, go, just shut up. Uh, she, he says something about 60 minutes. And she yeah. goes, what's 60 minutes? And then later, she's like, she said I should put a GoPro on and put it up your butt. And he's like, what's a GoPro? And like, we're we're hinting it's a at like, generational thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I I get what you're doing. I got gotcha. you. Um, I did I, like I did like that. Um, it starts out as like an interrogation, which is where that 60 minutes line comes from. Yeah, where he's like, you keep asking me questions, I'm gonna throw it back at you. I did like that. Like the just like one or two questions in, she actually gets a little uncomfortable like she doesn't your parents or something like yeah that. she doesn't want to talk to him and it yeah. kind of mirrors the reaction of the homeless guy earlier where it's like, again this is, this is a little this is a, a gal who seems to 
seems to intensely need something but keeps running away from running away from it whenever it starts to pop up because this is a person that she's starting to relate to on some level and then immediately kind of pulls back from it um apparently his family are dead and he inherited that motel um and we get we cut back and forth between the car them talking and it needs to be said uh we're doing like a shot reverse shot type thing here of him it's like a really intimate angle pushed up in his face as he's like leaning against the passenger door tied up by the way (laughs) um but then her her angle we only can see her face because it's from his perspective and he's looking towards the front of the car we we can only see her face in the rearview mirror again it calls back to you know reflections and her maybe not displaying the her truest self i guess but um we cut back and forth from the car and her exploring the motel uh where she abducted him um, and she uh, she's attempting to compliment him on some of the rooms because apparently he painted them. So I'm not sure if I'm not sure about the room where they did their thing. That feels like a fabrication. But we do get a sequence of her exploring a room that is actually very beautifully painted with like a like a sky lining the walls and the ceiling. There's like a vortex in the middle of the, the ceiling, and then there's like uh, verdant pools on the like towards the bottom of the floor and there's spray cans everywhere. Um, and he 97 seems to, cents in a bag. Yeah. 97 cents in a paper bag. I didn't figure that out until, until later. Oh, huffing. Yeah. Yeah. No, Kyle, I come from a different world. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there is a, a, an important exchange between the two because you don't know like what her point is with him and how she really feels towards him. But she's like, do you like, young girls do you like like underage girls and uh, he's like i like girls who are ripe and it doesn't matter he's like it doesn't matter how old they are it's i have a certain i like girls who are sexually mature and she like slams on the brakes and stuff like that she's like you just became like my favorite person which is hinting at i feel like she wasn't maybe taken seriously by her parents she's trying to grow up fast uh she doesn't really know how to i thought maybe maybe that has something to do with what she's searching for Uh, because that really that really struck a nerve with her i think you're 100 percent right uh, because calling back to you know reflections and mirrors that's the only instance in this exchange where she turns around and we get Mm -hmm. to see her her actual face as opposed to one in the mirror Uh, so good on you for pointing that out um but yeah, he has a line here about funny thing about pets. You got to keep them from running away. Put a pin yeah. in that. <laughs> um, and then uh, we go back to commentary and meme videos. And I gotta say, I kind of, I kind of dug the gorilla with the Cheetos. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of again Mandy, uh, the che- cheese goblin. <laughs> there's, I don't there's just, a, there's just a random clip of a gorilla. Like a man in a gorilla suit with sunglasses holding a bag of Cheetos, like oh, shaking his head. It's just I didn't comple- catch it. It's completely random. It's in that Tim and Eric line of thinking. Uh-oh. But, you know, that that's an image that's like, you know what? That was kind of cute. I like that. <laughs> but then we get more Bert Walden. And uh, he has another he, response video, and he's dialed it up a bit. He sounds like he's saying this from prison in an interview. Like he's this is full blown crazy at this point. <laughs> uh, that's where I, this is where I was like, he sounds like John Doe. Like he's this is where he gets really really personal about it. Um, and now and I guess she's still kind of butt hurt. Like she's still kind of upset. Like she's still not achieving Bert Walden's um, validation. She's just not quite there. Yeah, uh, he calls her walking narcissistic shit-generating factory. 
uh, you're the epitome of what is wrong with everything. And then he ends it with, I love you, Kaya. You are my everything. And we get it's a long so pause. <laughs> it's so stupid. There's, there's another line in here. Uh, it comes from Marshall. Um, he says, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. And she's like, I hope you don't hate me. She's like, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. Why? Why? <laughs> what? I, I don't understand that at all. At all. Uh, I don't get it. Uh, I think they're dicking around in another hotel room, and L. Ron Hubbard is in the background. I don't know if you caught that. I didn't recognize who it was, but... Um... Oh, he's, he's easy to, to identify, because uh, she has a very... Oh, by the way, Werner Herzog is in The Mandalorian. Uh, I don't know why he has not been a Bond villain yet, because he is brilliant. Uh, he has great presence. He'd make him a Bond villain. No, I mean, it's... It's really funny. It makes no sense why it's there, but uh, he elevates parts of Jack Reacher like, like needlessly so. Where it's like, whoa, where, why is he here? <laughs> he's like an Alan Rickman, where his just his cadence and like his his accent just just carry it so far. Mr. Uh, and if Bond, you... <laughs> welcome he's... to my underwater lair, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Bond. If you do start watching The Mandalorian, pay attention to the music because. I, I, I don't care for it. It's, it's very strange. It does not match the tone or whatever's happening in the series, like what's happening in that scene. It's very strange. Uh, I need your okay. opinion on it. I mean, so, you know me. That's something I key in on. So, uh, If I'm keying in on it, not even trying to listen to it, that that should tell you something. I'm like, so what's happening are, here? Are we are we going to talk about The Mandalorian or what? I, I mean, we could... We could we could hash it out at some point and just kind of talk about it, but I, I, maybe, I maybe just do a casual I, talk, like not I, a review, just talk. I really like it. It's okay. really, really, really well done. Well, um, let's do it then. Yeah, we should talk about it. Anyway, let's. Uh, so you're the best thing that ever happened to me. Who gives a fuck? We uh, go to a, uh, we go to another motel. So we're hopping from motel to yeah. motel. Where is she getting money? I'm starting to I'm starting to suspect that she is a rich girl. I think that maybe like maybe even like a trust fund kid because she just has she's not, she's not robbing anybody. We don't know how she's getting any income. She had got that huge dinner. Like she already got that huge uh, table of food. She's going from hotel to hotel to motel. Like she's just kind of running through stuff. She's getting gas. Well, Wait. I mean. Making things autobiographical, who do you think is the least respected in the art community? Like people who are knowingly, like it's explicitly known that they're they're connected and supported in such a way that's like they have no struggle. Like yeah. part of being an, a true artist, like I think you need to have the starving part of it to like get the actual street cred in the community. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Bryce Dallas Howard. Ca- calling calling back to to Bert to Bert. Um, maybe everything he's saying is a hundred percent true. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, I wouldn't be surprised because, like you said, where is she getting this this support system from? She has, she has means. Yeah. Uh, um. But yeah, we're back in a motel, and uh, the main room, like the bedroom, is bathed in pink again. Uh, looks kind of nice. And then <laughs> the we're, the bathroom is bathed in blues. Like all the lighting is blue, and it's filled with balloons for some reason. This this is never brought up. It's nope. not. It's not. I mean, they do play with the balloons, so it's not like they're, it's not like they're imaginary. I don't think. Um, but yeah, she stole a pistol from Marshall, and she's using that to, I guess, keep him hostage. Uh, but do you they, remember their their relationship here is not like is not like 
captor and cap or captive. Like he he's mostly compliant. He's compliant because he could get out of there at any moment. Uh, yeah. it, do you remember in The Departed where Mr. French is throwing uh, those really loud firecrackers uh, mm-hmm. and Leo shoots the dude in the leg? I, I don't know if he was going, if that's why Mr. French sent him in there was to shoot him, but it seems like it was a distraction. So, like, we didn't, there was no gunshots. I was just lighting off fireworks. Oh, for that's a second. 100% what that was. Yeah. So that's what I thought this was going to be for a second. I, she was, like, smoking a cigarette. She pops a balloon. I thought maybe she was just going to, like, pop a balloon, pop a balloon, then shoot him or something like that. That might be a creative way to do it. But, no, they just blow They're up just balloons. there. I thought also they could have been um, uh, people take nitrous uh, and they put it in a balloon and then... <laughs> suck the balloon up and get high and since he likes um since he likes to huff paint i thought maybe that's what they were doing yeah it's a weird element that didn't really add up to anything um just other than maybe a little bit of imagery i guess like it it just adds some texture to the shots but um she reads back to him some of like the statistics about the video that she put up because she put up a video of of her uh her mounting him and like filming him vomiting and stuff. Tim, and, uh, Tim, yeah, Tim, Tim. <laughs> fuck Tim, Tim. He's got two. He's first got two names. first names. <laughs> I thought it was really I, good. I wrote that down and I had a good laugh at that because that's something I've heard from my dad plenty of times. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Tommy Tomasino, <laughs> so nicely named him twice. Um, but yeah, uh, he he comments that like almost a million people watched me vomit. And they have a little mutual laugh over that. And then she gives him a horse tranquilizer and some bacon <laughs> back yeah. to back. <laughs> um, Stop fighting the tranquilizer. It's for horses. Yeah, that was kind of this whole sequence was kind of cute because, again, his his acting here actually worked for me where um, you get this like mild distortion on the edges of the frame. It's like a close up of him and he's he is out of it. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of like muttering to himself. And he at one point he he's confounded by the toilet like he yeah. can't really even hold his head up anymore and he's just kind of like his cheek is planted against the the bowl and uh he looks up at her and he's like oh god you're gorgeous but goodness you have a weird way <laughs> like a strange wicked way <laughs> yeah it's like that's that's accurate and then i i did like that he only passes out when like you said she kind of just like asks him to <laughs> like please go to sleep <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, she. We cut back to her in bed, and I was like, "Oh, she turned into Carrie Ann Moss for a second. <laughs> like, like her hair and her makeup here looked radically different from the rest of the movie. Like, I don't know what it was, but I was like, you look like Carrie Ann Moss from the first Matrix movie. Um, oh, this is, okay. This is probably where that that Elron uh, speech came yeah, from. Yeah, that's where uh, he was in the background. She's watching TV with the rat, which again has no name. Uh, and then we're at a campfire, the two of them, and. Uh, I like that the texture of this scene was radically different from most of the film where like this, the scene at the gas station with the little girl looks very naturalistic. Like it just looks like a normal daytime scene. And then every time we're alone in a motel room, everything turns into a a crazy art installation set with like garish colors and just all manner of manufactured bullshit. Um, But now we're out at the campfire and everything has like earth tones and we have very naturalistic like texture in the form of leaves and tree bark and whatnot. I really dug the the red light that they cast on the tree in the background. That looked very cool and Mandy-esque. Mm. Um, and then uh, we take some mushrooms apparently. Yeah. <laughs> we stuff some very large mushrooms in our mouth and she asks him about the vortex painting on his ceiling. 
Um, and he doesn't really have much to say at it other than he just he likes to stare up at it and get lost in it. And then we have a trailer line in the form of, are you scared of me? And this is where his response is, no, you might be the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, and I, what I got from that is like, he comes across, I mean, he, he tells us that like he, he lost his family and he inherited a motel. Uh, his form of recreation is huffing and painting. <laughs> uh, this yeah. sounds like a very sad, lonely, depressed man. Um, his life so, of monotony. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's being honest in this instance where it's like, you know, this is a shitty situation, but at the same time, it's like I'm hanging out with a pretty girl and it's not the worst thing that I've ever done. <laughs> so like, yeah. like maybe, maybe, like I said, that we have a main character who seemingly is trying to connect with people and just can't. And she finds a lonely old man who probably needs the same thing that she does, but probably has the better tools to actually reach out and grab it. Um, but yeah, uh, this is there's some interesting editing here in the form of the breathing sounds that kind of overpower the soundtrack. Yeah, uh, this was kind of neat. It's actually like part of the song almost. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, it's hard to describe, really. Uh, it as far as the soundtrack goes, this is pretty cool. Um, the they're they're kind of just hanging out outside, um, and then the f- the campfire turns into like a bunch of TVs piled up for some reason. Oh, I mean, um, the mushrooms that they took, I'm guessing. Yeah. No. No. You don't do that with mushrooms. That doesn't happen. Um, I, I'm it, not an expert. I wouldn't know. Uh, I've, I've taken mushrooms. It, all it does is uh, it makes you laugh a lot. Um, colors seem kind of vivid. And um, after a certain point, faces get a little distorted. Um, so just, eels don't uh, come out of people's arms? No. Eyes. Eyes. <laughs> Eyes get kind of bigger. Um, you might get like just like a like a there's like a bump here that kind of distorts like a little side of the face. It's nothing. It's nothing bad. So you don't you don't hallucinate whole new objects uh, on mushrooms. Acid. I don't know. I've not taken acid, nor do I plan to. Um, but yeah, that's why I was confused by this. I'm like, this isn't. This is strange. I mean, you do you do kind of zone out on mushrooms, so they could be saying like they're just so zoned out like the the fires just become like the white noise of tvs like they're just sitting there thinking of nothing that's well, e- the best e- i can do either way it's kind of a cool prop if you ask me like it yeah. again it feels like an art installation but it it looks cool because the the light is dialed up to such an extent that you can't even see the static snow on it it just looks like flickering light yeah and and again the the red on the tree in the background looks pretty fucking cool um but now the soundtrack like it kind of trends away from the breathing noises that we have and it turns into like ambient voices and it sounds like a crowd basically um kind of an aggressive crowd too like like uh, she's think, a, she's think, a, think back to carrie the, they're all gonna laugh at you <laughs> <laughs> i think it's because she's about to read the comments or she's yeah. reading the comment section uh, yeah and they makes, have a laugh over sense. those comments so this is where fuck tim tim comes in yeah, tim, tim. <laughs> Uh, she's like, I should, I should shove a GoPro up your ass. And he's like, what's a GoPro? She's like, it's like a little camera. It's uh, like, how big? <laughs> yeah, how big? Uh, but this is where uh, I think she's like, I've got to push this a little bit further. Um, and she actually puts the gun on him point blank. And this is I, this was kind of a funny scene uh, for some reason. She's got the gun uh, point on him. And she's like, don't move. 
like he's like oh fuck she's gonna she's gonna shoot me uh and she ends up pulling the trigger and he's like oh oh fuck oh shit and uh, she's like marshall i missed and they have a good and they have a pretty good laugh about it he's like okay now don't move <laughs> and she fucking shoots him I yeah thought, i got i got a chuckle out of that oh there's uh, another chuckle worthy moment though <laughs> uh is it i forgot to record yeah so yeah. she does she does shoot him in the arm and then uh he's screaming and then she leans on him and, and almost like hugs him while he's like rolling around on the floor and she's like marshall i forgot to record mm-hmm. and so she stands up and she shoots him a second time uh and then we cut to footage of popeye in olive oil for some reason <laughs> yeah i don't um, know but what prompted her to do it was apparently people in the comments uh, she said there's a lot of people saying Think i should, I should shoot, shoot you yeah. yeah um so i don't know what that's trying to say like maybe she's a slave to her audience or something like anything for a view or whatever but yeah long story short he's been shot twice and uh we cut to a very strange sequence where he's writhing around in the back seat of the car um if i remember right like the entire scene is bathed in pink because the entire exterior of the vehicle is green screened and it looks like the it looks like a lava lamp kind of like it's, it's a, a lot of green it's yeah. like pink bubbles kind of it's a constant 360 shot too like it's just moving at the exact same pace between her and him like he's in pain she's telling him to shut up we're not going to the hospital like don't worry about it dude it's not happening but it's just a constant 360 shot uh, this uh, this was i didn't really care for the, it too much the energy didn't work um mostly because it's very obvious that the car is stationary yeah um um it would have been better, I think, if like there was some actual driving going on, and like, I don't know, just like instead of a instead of a completely stable, obviously like motorized camera rig or something, like give it like a little bit of a handheld feel where it's like yeah. more chaotic. Um, he's good. She she's maybe a little too like on top of it. Like she doesn't seem as panicked as she should be. But no. again, I guess that's her character. Yeah. Um, and it all culminates with him yelling about an eel coming out of his arm, and we get a really poorly animated CGI, like green CGI animated moray eel coming out of his arm. And she sees it too. Uh, and like, she oh sees God, it I too. Well. You don't. You don't. That's not mushrooms. You don't. You don't do that. <laughs> um, that's why I was like, okay, what's the point of this? Okay. Uh, the, next, he, the next scene, though, I did like the um, tourniquet instruction. Yeah, yeah Captain like James it. Johnson. I kind of like how to apply a tourniquet. (laughs) Yeah, he's showing. He does it. It's like an old school like tourniquet instruction thing. Like, make sure they don't have any other injuries. And he's just like checking the front, checking the back of her. It it was kind of funny. Sandy, Um, do you have any other injuries? No response. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) I I Uh, just like the 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 cuts here where it's like it's obviously filmed in someone's basement and the timing is just awful where he there's a lot of dead air of tim just staring into the camera <laughs> that really felt like a tim and eric bit like that would have been a, a segue into the next skit of tim and eric like how to oh, apply a tourniquet yeah this is this is where it's like we're we're making a comment about generational differences here because i could totally see people in our in our relative age range doing something fucking stupid like this like in a crisis situation and consulting youtube as to yep. how to deal with it and that's exactly what happens i thought this was actually very funny um so we just do a hard cut to this instructional video this like zero production budget video of this man teaching us how to apply a tourniquet Uh, and then we cut away from that and we see kaya 
in the corner looking at a laptop and we can see like a tiny window of that video we just watched. And he's like, okay, I think, I think we're, I think we're at the stage where we need to apply a tourniquet. So she yeah. literally consulted YouTube as to how to deal with the gunshot wound that she inflicted on her, her buddy Marshall. Um, I really like the, the line here. Um, things are getting really narrow. Um, it comes from him, Marshall, when he's like passing out. I was like, that's a cool way to phrase that. Like, like losing consciousness because mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've been there you know we all have where you're about to pass out or something it's like your field of vision actually like narrows um and yeah we're in a bathtub and like the color palette is disgusting it's just like sickly greens and blues oh yeah it look it looks like a like a sewer from the 90s like a 90s movie or something or a nintendo game <laughs> but, um yeah we transition away from that and uh now we're on the floor and Based on the orange smudges on their chins and lips, I think they huffed. They Is, did. Am I? Yeah. 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 And uh, it, the, it's a shot looking down at the two of them. Their heads are next to each other. They're all shiny and chrome. Uh, <laughs> they uh, Witness me! <laughs> <laughs> I will personally take you to Valhalla. Mediocre. Um, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um yeah, there's a character on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, Charlie. He ends up, he's a big glue sniffer, but he also likes to huff paint, and he writes a song. They like, He's got like the spray paint all over his mouth. He had been huffing paint. Uh, yeah, they, they get high, and she's now she's doing the same thing. She's like, tell me a story. And he starts to tell us a story about how there's a big storm coming, and he had to leave his kid at home to go shut up the motel or whatever. Well, it turns out the storm got there a little too soon, and I guess, I thought maybe the kid died, but what apparently happened was, is I guess the authorities got involved, and they took the kid away. He's like, I think they, he'd be about your age, or she'd be about your age now, uh, and this kind of bothers her, Kaya, uh, this whole, I thought maybe she thought it was like, oh, is this her dad, maybe? I'm like, no, I don't think that's the deal, um, but she comes back to to lay down we don't find out exactly what happens to the kid because it cuts out to just noise yeah that i think again this was something where they're trying to say something because he's he's like pouring his guts out like like he's he's crying on the floor and he's telling her this very sad story of him like presumably losing his family and i mentioned this earlier like the the real juicy bits of it are are obscured we don't we the audience don't hear it because she's yeah. sitting on the other side of the room and she's finally we finally get to see her like cry so like we finally get to see her emote 100% because she she looks like she's on the verge of crying throughout most of this movie to be honest but yeah. this is this is like the first time we see her explicitly open up I think it's worth noting that she does so facing the TV <laughs> instead <laughs> of the person that she probably should be expressing these emotions to uh, again there's probably some commentary there um, but yeah uh, the the, most of the story that he tells is not communicated to us. It's all just lost in the noise. Um, speaking of noise, the decor in this room it is like trippy. Awful. It's sixty shit. It is gaudy as fuck. Um, it looks I thought like, they were in it somebody's looks like house. Pa- yeah, it looks like Austin Powers' house or something. Yeah, because they there's this moment where I thought they were like in somebody's house, but they're they're both kind of freaking out for a second. He's just like they hear something. He's like, I hear cars. He's like, Yeah, I hear sirens. And, and bells like, tolling. Yeah, and he's like, I think, did you leave the door open? And she's like, what about the mount, like the, the rat? 
And she goes running after the rat, and uh, thank God she finds him. You know, I was a little worried there for a minute. This but... is a funny sequence because, like, we smash cut to her running out the door. Like, the camera runs up into her face. It looks like something out of SLC Punk or something. And uh, we get some close-ups of her feet as she's running out into the gravel driveway to look for the rat. And she's just kind of, like, shuffling along, like, you can tell this is a person who is not ready to be up and about. <laughs> like, no. like she is still like tripping balls or, or like high or something, and she just like minces into the parking lot. And yeah, she does find the rat, uh, and then she comes back, and she gets whomped. Uh, she gets the. Sh- <laughs> I thought he was gonna kill her, uh, and judging by how little this girl is, and this guy's he weighs a good two ten, uh, not muscle. Uh, <laughs> 210, 220, he fucking lays her out. He gets like some, like, on the ground, uh, was it, uh, ground and pound. Like, he gets she, her to the ground and is bam. He, he Tito Ortizes her. <laughs> oh, he, there's a tank, there's a tank Abbott knockout where he, he knocks this dude out and his guy is fall, this guy falls before the ref can get him. The guy is already twisted up. Like, he's already, like, he'd been hit so hard that his body seized up. Tank Abbott comes down, full weight, punches this guy in the face again. It's one of the most brutal knockouts I've ever seen. One too many. (laughs) And uh, this dude's basically just, like, a grown man beating the shit out of a 19-year-old girl. A tiny little 19-year-old girl. There's a funny beat here, too, because, like, he, he sucker punches her good. Like he, yeah. he catches her with a right cross, she falls on her back, and then there's this funny little beat where he like immediately runs up to her, and there's this pause where he's like, uh, "Do it again." <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, he thinks about it for a second. He's like, "She shot me twice, man. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta go." <laughs> and yeah, he, uh, he wrecks her shit. He, and he takes like, off with the rat. <laughs> he takes off the rat, but then he says, "You know," he says, "I could have fucked you, you know." I'm like, "Oh, thank you for not raping her, dude. Yeah, that's really nice of you." Um, and I mean, it's kind of weird. Like he's kind of right. Like he could have at any time taken advantage, like taken advantage of the situation. Like he could totally do pretty much whatever he wanted to. He's big enough and she's small enough. I, I um, think, I mean, it is a little bit weird. Like it, it's creepy when you think about, it, but at the same time, it's like, again, I, I think this is like a character maybe communicating. That's like, I, in fact, she does mention that like she, she, I think she says like, I, I like you more than I was wanting to or something. Yeah. And you get the sense that this is almost like a Harold and Maude type situation. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I've I, heard of it. I had to watch it in school. It's it's a generational love story where it's a very yeah. elderly woman and a very young man who, you know, find a midpoint where it's like, you know, this is an unconventional love story, but still two people who love each other very much. Um, and this feels like, kind of a similar situation where these these are two people who connected on some level but because of her like compulsions or like worst impulses or something it turned into a intensely ugly and negative one yeah you know he made the right choice to give it to him that way (laughs) what what does the vagrant at the beginning say to her when she's recording he says something to her like a warning uh, it's not safe or you're not safe you're like you're not yeah it wasn't like he was going to do anything. It's like, what yeah. you're doing is you're not safe. being safe. Like, you're not being safe. This isn't, yeah. this isn't good. Yeah. He's, um, he was warning her that, you know, living life in this fashion, like, like living with a barrier between you and the people that you're trying to converse with or communicate with and, you know, attempting to manipulate people 
it's that's not a good way to go through life <laughs> as said by a homeless man <laughs> yeah right um but yeah uh he takes off I, I did love that he takes off with the rat <laughs> good yeah they give that rat a good home yeah she wasn't gonna take care of that goddamn thing um but yeah she uh, we get like again back to sickly blues and greens and her face emerging from like murky black water in the bathtub so she's like trying to clean herself up i guess um and she's still at the austin powers house uh, which uh when she ran out we saw it's a motel also yeah so she just lives at a motel i guess um and the tv's on it's static because you know our director's an artist you got to have a static tv playing in the background i've ever seen um and then she picks up the phone and she did this once before earlier in the movie where she attempted to make a phone call and just didn't um, but here she's actually dialed it and it's ringing and no one answers so presumably she's trying to contact her family yeah because she just went through some dark shit and needs a support system nobody answered though and then we hear some sirens she hops out the window and uh dashes into the woods and she's not dressed for what appears to be very cold weather <laughs> yeah and her face is wrecked like she's got some pretty nasty bruises and a split lip and whatnot um and we get a very lonely montage of it's it's again back to that like gonzo editing lots of quick cuts lots of stuttery like like yeah stuttery edits and whatnot and we kind of get a lot of shots of her like thrashing about and looking not in the best of circumstances uh i did like they do this like editing transition where it's like a mid midway point of her face between um, wearing the paper mask and like the mask like merging into her face it, it's it's just a crossfade but it's done in such a way that it it looks kind of cool it remind it's almost like when, when uh, nick cage is like turning into ghost rider or something or it's like there's that cool halfway point where his face is just a skull and there's no flames it's like ooh, that looks ugly <laughs> kind of cool <laughs> um, but yeah essentially the whole movie plays back before us and a lot of it is just her with people not really doing anything but just like her with the homeless guy and her with marshall and stuff and we keep coming back to her in the woods and we get the sense that she's very lonely and very depressed in this moment uh, and then we're back in we're in the suburbs for the first time in the movie and she the sun is blown the fuck out and she has a bat and she's <laughs> walking down the street like omar in the wire just baseball bat whistling down the street and she is on a mission and this is when i realized exactly how short she is she can barely see over this fence that she's uh, going into <laughs> i was like she might be a little person <laughs> at one point <laughs> i'm like like four eight i think is technically a person is who's is someone who's a little person I'm we, like, we need to get a danny devito in there for comparison seriously <laughs> she's crazy short but um we are getting the sense that she's. Uh, I got the sense that she was going to go to um, Bert's house, and that's exactly where she's headed. There's a bunch of lawn ornaments in the front yard, which is weird. Uh, but she just knocks on the door, and he just answers, and he's just like, "Oh, I probably shouldn't have answered the door." Um, and she just—he kind of realizes who she is. Uh, it takes him a sec, and he just takes off running through the house. And then it's kind of like the chase scene in Point Break, where we're just running through the house, and then out through some like another backyard and out into the alley um and he has he grabs a uh, butcher's knife or cleaver he gra he grabs a, a meat cleaver uh, on his way out uh, why did he need a meat cleaver in this day and age I, I, day and age yeah I for, why would you just have that out no <laughs> what, you, what were you doing <laughs> do you have the whole half of a lamb that you're chopping up for dinner like jesus like is that your day job you're like you you own like a 
<laughs> you own like a charcuterie like place or like a, a meat packing plant in your backyard <laughs> uh yeah she she gives chase and then they get to the beach and they just have this moment with each other they just look at each other and they kind of just have a laugh at yeah and like yeah. how ridiculous is this you know <laughs> i'm just chasing you with a bat and you've got a meat cleaver yeah yeah um i really love the fog on this beach it's it's beautiful to look at so we must have filmed it like just the right time of day to get like the sea breeze in in the early morning or something because they run out on the beach and it looks almost like 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 um what the fuck is that uh insomnia like kind of like foggy scenes in insomnia but on a beach and we can hear the sea crashing and whatnot and yeah, they just have this beat where they're they're standing at the water's edge, and she laughs, Bert laughs, and then her phone comes out, and things take a turn. So she pulls the phone out and starts recording him, and his face like goes from a smile to like, oh no, <laughs> and she whacks him good. Yeah, and, and she uh, Robert De Niro untouchables him. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. She she, she gets cracks up. him good with an aluminum bat, um, and then there's this pause, and she she's a little disturbed by what she just did apparently because she vomits yeah um, and then she crumbles and she looks sad and um again this is an example of the movie feeding me images that probably are supposed to mean more than they actually affected me but um i noted that she crumbles like she she sits on the beach and yeah. bert is just laying there collapsed i could still see the actor breathing i'm not sure if he's supposed to be alive or dead i would assume dead um and she looks sad for a a beat and then i noted that she reaches for her phone and her face kind of like goes back to normal i was like yeah i've seen people do that man (laughs) it's a it's a compulsion you know where where you i don't know a lot of people instinctively just kind of like go for their phone or something when especially when they have downtime not necessarily when they're depressed but oftentimes when they're depressed um and she just starts to look less upset and we're not shown what she does with her phone. Uh, I would assume she like uploads the video of her cracking bird. Um, and then the last shot of the film is just a, again, I gotta give it to him. It's a very nice shot on the beach of him collapsed on his side, her sitting, just kind of looking up into the sky. There's seagulls and the sea crashing on the beach. Uh, and I like that there's like vignettes on the edge of the frame. So like little dark spots on the corners of the frame. So I don't know what kind of lens they used or whatever, but it, it's just a really nice shot. Although it's sustained for like 90 seconds and it's like, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Oh, you're done. Okay. <laughs> and that's the movie. I did. I did appreciate that. Um, he was, the director was like, okay, we can't let them know that we filmed this in California, in Southern California, so we got to make sure we have a nice foggy day on the beach. Because you can see the mountains on the crest. Nothing drives me crazier than we, were, we have a movie or a TV show set in a specific place, and you see those goddamn mountains. They pop up. It happens in Clerks, too. They're like, oh, we're in New Jersey. And they go to a go-kart thing. I'm like, it's fucking Southern California. I can see the mountains in the background. The office has done it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia has done it. just fucking pisses me off and this movie i'm not sure we were supposed to it seems like it kind of started on the east coast because she has a new york license plate at one point Uh, i'm not sure where it was filmed but it does look like we ended in los the los angeles area uh with this beach shot um but yeah i appreciate they at least tried to get it on a nice foggy day where you can't see it Uh, for some reason i want to say like new england for the first part of the movie 
Easily, yeah, I would um, I would agree with that. At least the the tourniquet guy definitely made me think that <laughs> something yeah. about his his uh, speech his speech pattern like his affectation just made me think of that. Um, but yeah, uh, this was a this was a strange movie to review, um, for or analyze rather, um, because I went into it blind. So did you? Um, oh yeah. And the only reason I had us watch this is because I thought it was going to be something it wasn't. And I was telling you off air that it's like, huh, we're not doing the best job with fucked up shit month so far. Um, I was going to ask you, I'm like, was there a reason other than this was included on Prime that you chose this? No, I didn't know that until uh, yeah. until I texted you about it. Um, yeah, that's why I thought I, I, I'm I, like, I, I'm like, he's he's having like maybe he's having trouble or he's having second guesses about one of his choices. He's like, he's going to find one that's free on Prime. I'm like, that's the if that's what you did. You asshole. I'm like, oh, we want to play rough. All right. We can pl- we can play that shit. But I'm glad you had a reason, at least uh, at least a reason for watching it. No, I, I put this down on the list, like almost around the time we I put together the list uh, mm. just because it, it the trailer for it just had some images in it that I just wanted to know what it was. I, I didn't care if it was good or bad. Like I don't know if you have that tool in you. Um, I certainly uh, yes, I, I can, do. I can watch. I, I can watch I can, anything. I can tell you right now if we have any kind of uh, social media or live streaming something in a movie, you can absolutely skip it one hundred percent. You do not need to watch it at all. Uh, there's a Frodo Baggins movie where he does it. Um, I can't think of what it's called. Apparently, it's not bad. Like, it's a, apparently a pretty decent film. Uh, uh, whatever it is. Elijah Wood. Um, there's the, like, Unfriended, and there's all this stupid... Anytime social media is being taken seriously in the film, like, it's supposed to be part of a serious movie, it's absolute garbage. It's just dumb to me. Well, let me ask you this, Kyle. There's a movie that came out, I think, last year that I... Um Maybe I should have picked instead of this one because, like, like I said, two years removed, it's already irrelevant. Um, uh, Ingrid goes west. Ingrid, um, goes. yeah, it's Aubrey Plaza, and I think uh, uh, the Scarlet Witch, that Olsen, Elizabeth Olsen, yeah, yeah. Um, she got perfect teeth, man. <laughs> she does, man. <laughs> um, I hope so. I heard very good things about Ingrid goes west, and a lot of it has to do with social media. It has to do with like. Um, that's leap, leapfrogging on on other people's uh, fame, I guess. The movie's got Wyatt Russell in it, which has it's a huge red flag for me. Uh, <laughs> anytime <laughs> he's around something, uh, this I guess this concept's a little bit better. Reading it, and like, yeah, I guess it could probably be okay. Um, but still, because I I have no social media presence whatsoever, so I just I could not care less about those movies. It does nothing to me. Uh, oh. It's it's funny because like, in terms of like making films, I don't I for the most part I don't think I think you're right. I, I think it's it's a world that moves too quickly. Films take too long to make. Um, it's very easy to come across as ill-informed or like disconnected from that world, especially because so so much of the developments that happen in social media and just like app-driven technology in general start out among young people very young people young people who don't make films (laughs) um Mm -hmm. like tiktok for instance that's an app that is immensely powerful right now but i have zero connection to it whatsoever like i i have no interest in touching that world but you know there's a huge chunk of the population worldwide that use that app extensively and 
there are tons of celebrities who come from that world like vine also um vine's like the previous example of that but you know what's fucking funny about vine it's it's dead it's dead like in a blink it came and went but it still has this lasting legacy that people like you and i probably have no no concept of but that was a huge part of global culture for a for a blink Um, and if you're trying to make a movie about that or something guess what by the time you got that movie made that app was gone (laughs) (laughs) but i mean the the thing that i just want to touch on here is like outside of the film world i social media and just internet culture in general are something that i'm very fascinated by because from from a sociological or psychological standpoint it's there's a lot to it um it it affects us it changes us um and it's actually it's funny it's like maybe the darkest slash quietest example of the apocalypse that i can think of Mm -hmm. it is is a species dying out not because of a cataclysm or or a disease or something like that but just due to utter disinterest in preserving itself (laughs) because because of lack of empathy or like lack of a desire to connect with our fellow man um and i think i think it's ripe ground for storytelling but maybe not for movies yeah i I think a book like a like a novel would be probably much more appropriate because that kind of stuff gets under your skin and there's just so many directions you could take it that it i think there's a lot to it and this Mm -hmm. is not a good example of it represented in storytelling form no no not at all but yeah anyway (laughs) so kyle what are we doing for next week I think we're going to finally get to the movie you and I are both most excited about. Uh, we Are the Flesh. I don't know um, if excited is the word. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to try not to have high hopes for the film, uh, but I'm excited. Uh, if, if for whatever reason we watch it and it's not what it lives up to be, um, I have a backup plan. But uh, we'll, I'll say that off the air. Okay. Um, but yeah... Uh, like I said, we, we haven't done the best job with fucked up shit this month, so the hope is that we get to something genuinely fucked up that, you know, you know the, the whole point of the show is to try new things, and even if those things are uncomfortable, it's like, that's the fucking point. So, yeah. Like, even if it's offensive on, like, a very visceral level, it's like, you know, I committed to it, sure, whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, that's a movie that you and I, I think, discovered independent of, of each other. Yeah, like I, I initially put it down on the list uh, because I had, I had read reviews for it when, again, I think through Screen Anarchy or Twitch Film or something when it was doing the festival circuit. But then, independent of me, I think you kind of did the same thing. Like, you saw a trailer for it or something, and, and you, like, came to me and you are like, hey, I have an idea for a movie. And I was like, you mean that one I put on the list, like, a year ago? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, well, it looks good to me, too. So it's like, neither of us have seen it but we're both intrigued enough to want to see it yeah i'm excited for it yeah it should be a good one so um thanks for joining us as we explored another movie in our fucked up shit event month um hopefully Mm -hmm. things genuinely get fucked up next week (laughs) Uh, until next time (laughs)